Help support the Hockey Hurts podcast by donating as little as $1 per month by visiting patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for June 10th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And we are coming at you directly after Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, a very eventful game, one that went in the column for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, we will have a Game 6 in the Stanley Cup Final. The teams will have to travel uh, to San Jose. And it will feel like a week until the next game based on the schedule that we have. So uh, basically in this podcast, pretty straightforward. We're going to discuss Game 5. Thoughts? I totally enjoyed the game. It was so much fun to watch. Like, you get there after the first four minutes, of the three minutes of the game, and it's like, holy crap, they're down by two. But then after five, it's tied. And it was it was a great example of two teams trying to win it. Like, San Jose didn't try to not lose. Um, and you can make all the arguments you want about the three goals that Murray gave up, but they were bad goals. But San Jose were at least pushing the play on those three goals that they scored so it was it was just it was just really good fun to watch shitty shitty result as a penguins fan but thoroughly enjoyed the game all over i um i i found the game frustrating in the sense of viewing it through a a coach's perspective i'm so glad about a coach no but i was i was looking at it from that kind of angle i'm like wow i'm like what do you what do you tell Pittsburgh, uh, after they tied it, like they they crushed the Sharks that game, and there's really not much else you can tell your team other than keep doing what you're doing. Um, Correct. There were some real alarming stats from that game, um, and James Myrtle, uh, courtesy of him, I, I found them. He said Pittsburgh had 19 high-danger scoring chances tonight at even strength, probably one of the highest of any game all season. He also said that's the most high-danger scoring chances at even strength the Sharks have allowed in a game since the data was available in 2005. So that's the thing. They just got goalied, and it happens. Yeah, I I am calling this the Martin Jones game. Yeah, well, you get there with it and, like, look, say – if San Jose get there and they win the next two games and they win the whole thing, this is the game that changes the series, right? And and as San Jose, you have to sit there and think that way. It's like, right, we stole a game. We had no right in winning. We need to move forward now, play a better game at home, and then obviously win the whole thing in Pittsburgh again. But they can't rely on Joe to do that three times in a row. Um, maybe they not can. Maybe, maybe they can. He's not Henrik Lundqvist, not yet, but there's nothing to say that he can't do it. But they, it, the puck just didn't seem like it moved out of the other end of the ice. It's, it was just, it was, as a Penguins fan, it was so much fun to watch. The, the feeling of inevitability that there was going to be a third goal scored kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time I watched the whole game. It was, it was really, really good fun to watch. And it does show you that playing to win and score effects are a great thing for a team. I don't know, man. I think the Sharks got their ass kicked. They did. They got absolutely frog stomped. But goalies can 
make all the difference in this sport. They can change all of that. And vice versa, the fact that Murray had probably one of his worst games through the playoffs, you know, kind of debunked all of Pittsburgh's dominance. And, and that's just how it works in this sport. You have to get there and go, there's nothing else that has to change from the skaters on the ice. If Pittsburgh play that exact same game again, I don't think they lose that game, even with Murray giving up three goals. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just how well that game was played. They might not play that well again in the next two games. I can't see them falling off the horse that far that it's a complete disaster, though. No, I think over the series they've shown that. I think this was Pittsburgh's strongest of of the games so far this series. But there's nothing to suggest that they're not going to continue to drive play. I mean, they outshot teams 12 games in a row, and that streak broke last game. And they said, you know what? Fuck it. I guess we'll just outshoot them 41 to 17 this game. <laughs> so it's one of the few games. It is one of the few games where Murray's played poorly, and the offense hasn't been able to cover for it. In that sense, sort of. So, I think the offense played great. No, no, but they didn't get the they didn't get the tangible results at the end of it to make up for the fact that Murray had a very bad first 20 minutes. And, and, and you get there with that, and you go, well, so be it. Nothing needs to change for the Penguins in regards to what they do in San Jose. It is perfectly obvious that Mike Sullivan does not give a toss what line plays, what line against San Jose. He doesn't really line match. Do you know what I mean? Like, So not having final change is not going to affect whatever the hell Mike Sullivan does with his lineup. Um, it really does feel like San Jose is chasing everything that Pittsburgh does. DeBarro is trying to find any possible way he can to just get his team to even in shot in, in like Corsi. They were all negative in this game, and they still won. Yeah, it happens when your goalie plays out of his ass. Um, and to that point, there are a few Martin Jones stats that I saw. First goalie in expansion era to make 40-plus saves and multiple wins in a Stanley Cup final. 44 saves are most in a regulation win when facing elimination in a Stanley Cup final since expansion. So he was great. And I think I think that's, you know, I got, we, we technically could end the podcast right there and just be like, you know what? That's pretty much what it was. But, you know, there's some nuances that I'd like to talk about. I don't think it's going ahead, but I think you're exactly right. We could literally just hit stop, post it, give them, what, six minutes? And that's it. Um, you, you were talking about Mike Sullivan and, and line matching. I don't think he necessarily cares about the forward stuff. I do think he tries Definitely to get Schultz, yeah. and parent, or, bleh, Schultz and Cole away from the Sharks' top six players. But as far as the forwards, he just rolls it almost to a fault, um, which we've discussed before. I um, you know what? I had a real hard think about that at, at the start of the third period, and I, for the first time ever, I think I wasn't upset that he didn't overload. But just going, Sid and Malkin, HBK, a mix, then straight back to Sid and Malkin. I, I I got there and went. The fact that the three lines have absolutely crushed San Jose through yeah, this but, game. But, but when you're talking about process versus results kind of thing. Yes. 
I think, I think there's something to be said about the results portion of it. Yep. Totally and great. I don't know. I mean, I think Sid and Gino got to get a little bit help on the other end of some of these plays. I, I thought Gino was amazing all evening long. And so was Sid. Well, yeah. But I thought Gino was having one of his, you know. Uh, he's, he's 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 galloping, and nobody's going to stop him. He was looking to make plays, and there's just nobody that wanted to to join up with him on that forward line. Kunitz tried to make the controlled plays, but Rust, despite those bright moments, I he's not that guy. That's, that's and and that's the thing. It's like it just shows you how good Crosby and Malkin are. That they are literally carrying bottom nine for well, top nine forwards to the point where you can still keep HBK together without their ability to be able to make players that are not top six forwards, top six forwards. HBK doesn't exist, and that's the miraculous part about those those two players, and and it, it really strengthens that argument of put Crosby and Malcolm together because somebody. Well, one of the two of them will be able to finish the other player's work. And and that's just, you're right. They haven't had enough time together through this series to warrant it. But the results have turned up all the time. And I, I, I did see your tweet before the start of this, the third period. First 10 minutes, roll it out how you have been. Don't get results. Sit in Geno at basically every second shift. And, and I think you're probably right on that point. I'm not wrong, and I refuse to believe I'm wrong on that point. You got those guys just firing on all cylinders. They are just they put are them going. together. Oh. I mean, God damn it! What is the re- <laughs> what is the reluctance? You're down. No, You're down. It's a coach not wanting to go away. What's succeeded? I don't need it's Tom fucking Kuhnhackle in the third period. He's in a walking no, boot in between games. Well, actually, he at least he was, but like he's not doing anything. Eric Fair, I know, I know, I said it last last podcast. He's not really doing anything either. That goal was great. I it's just going to be in game four. I get what you're saying though. I, I fully get what you're saying. I know what you mean. Like use Colin. Take Hornquist away from. Crosby and Gino and let Kunitz play with them and figure it, figure, just figure it out. Or at the very least, like, and there was two shifts I noticed that Sid and Gino were out there. And then there was an icing and HBK went back out and then it was over with. It was like a 20 second tease. But then there was that other shift though, that Sid and Gino had that blue line East to West passing sequence that, Led to the Hornquist catching it out of the air. And then getting hooked and not being able to get the shot on, well, getting a shot on net whilst being hooked. Yeah, I know the one you mean. Those are the plays I'm talking about. You put those two together. That's a nothing play with anybody else on the ice. And they create something. Well, that pass to Gino would traditionally just go into the corner. That's the difference. Because <laughs> no one would have the courage to actually make that secondary, like you've already gone across the blue line once with Sid, it goes to Gino, 
who else has the there's probably what 10 players in the league that have the courage and the confidence to go oh, I can make that pass no worries <laughs> they're both playing <laughs> so well I know it just imagine if general's healthy he looked pretty good tonight he did he did. he's still not 100 percent but he, he did he did look really good hey look, I, w- I will say this that third goal who was it that made the pass for that third goal to Michael Carlson I think it was Couture. Yeah, okay, because I always get Couture and Pavelski mixed up. That was a really, really good pass. Like, that was just on the tape. Like, as much as you and I are Penguins fans, and we'll, this will be predominantly about Pittsburgh, that first 20 minutes of San Jose was, was reasonable. And the couple of times that they got to be they, – they, they made the most of the limited opportunities that they had, and you can't deny them that. That third goal, I would blame on Murray, but I – I know where he's coming from. I think the, the shot. It. I think the shot was half whiffed on, and he fucked it. And his glove was where it should have gone, and then it was under his glove. Like you can see, the shot was flubbed. He did. He did pretty much what any goalie would have done. It's just that after you've already given up two, that goal looks terrible. I hate the first one. The second one was a good tip. the The first one's complete what? rubbish coming off. You've already given that goal up in the series. Is it is it asking too much of a goalie to be able to make a change like that in his technique through a series though? Seriously, like that, I don't that's think the... you need to change the technique. I agree with the technique of paddle down coming out of the corner, but when they start to creep away from the near post part of the corner and start to creep towards the the corner corner, You've got to start shifting away from paddle down and kind of getting back into a, a more traditional square butterfly kind of thing. I would even suggest he needs to stand up. He's not a short goalie. Either that or he has to get more more vertical. And, and they're things that, if Mike Bales is still the goalie coach, they're the things that Mike Bales has to work on with him over this because it's obvious that Murray is obviously at this point in the season you're going to go with what you know you're not going to be able to change something like that that is a complete technical change to how he handles pucks coming around the net on his stick side so he's not going to be able to change that now and if that is a flaw in his game that he's not able to change which it looks like he's not right now kudos to San Jose for being able to get to it. I am really surprised they don't try to do that more often, but you've got to have the puck to be able to try it. I don't know. I, I, I can't really give San Jose too much credit for anything. They're they're clicking at forty five percent possession this series. They're getting they're getting they're getting Detroit Red Wing. That's Oh reality. you beat me to it. Damn <laughs> <laughs> It's the it's this is like the O eight Red Wings Penguin series. That went it does. It really does. But it could also be the 09 Red Wings series that they should have won too, and they didn't. So, yeah. but yeah. I, I do, yeah. I do think this is a case of you got a better team here, and the other team isn't driving play as well, but they still have really good players that can make plays, and you're in a short seven game sample, and uh, anything can happen. Yeah. And, and that's 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 literally the way I'm looking at it. It's, this this feels like oh wait as a Penguins fan, but flip side, it literally feels like you, you're on the edge of the seat if you're a San Jose fan. Go, come on guys, why are you getting absolutely crushed? But you're still in the series. I mean, 
you're now going back to you're now going home for game six that you could legitimately win and push it to a seventh game if you hope it happens. But it really does feel like Detroit are just gonna win, just gonna win it at, at Mellon Arena. That's sort of how it feels. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'd think you'd you follow a team and stuff, you'd be upset after a loss like this. And uh, I don't know, I, I got the coach mindset going on. There's there's nothing to complain about. Hey, do that again. Just do that again. We what's 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 where, where do you get that uh, predicted uh, predicted wins thingy jiggy jiggy from? Like, I'd love to know after that particular game. What were the odds of Pittsburgh winning that game? Probably find it out tomorrow. Yeah, you know or, what I mean? So, well, we're recording at midnight Eastern Coast time, so, you know, sometime Eastern Coast morning we'll get that. That's, that's, I think it would be at least 80% Pittsburgh, 80-20 Pittsburgh, I, and I think that's on the, like the floor end of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you get there with that, and it's like they did everything right but win the game, and you go – you know, people like, oh, what has to change for them to win game six? Nothing. Nothing has to change. If they lose game six doing what they did tonight, do the same thing again in game seven. And if it doesn't work in game seven, there's nothing wrong with what they've done. They, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's just what happens sometimes in short sample sizes. Like, if, if Jones plays out of his mind in game six and game seven like he did tonight, yeah, what are you going to do? then Jones deserves to win the Stanley Cup. The Sharks might not, but certainly Martin Jones does. He'll have an additional trophy as well. Mm. Exactly right. Like That's that's what you would call a Con Smythe winning. If he does that twice more, that's Con Smythe right there because he's played well through the playoffs and to have won three games in a row against a team that is dominating his own, yeah, without a doubt. I thought Pittsburgh's power play was really good. Well, he hit two posts on one shot. Just talk to Chicago about that. Uh, it can kind of suck. They were really good um, with their setup and their movement, and it kind of looked like something that I tried to run with my high school team where you get the guy in the half wall, you pass it up to the blue line, the defenseman walks the blue line hard, which either draws the top penalty killer with the defenseman into the shooting lane or he trails back in the passing lane. And what that does is that the defenseman either has a shooting lane up top. Great. You already got screens in front or like the sharks did. They followed Latang down the blue line to take the shot away. Latang went back to the half wall where the pass came from. And that was Evgeny Malkin. Thankfully Evgeny Malkin and you had Sid down low. So I, I really like the setup that they had on that goal. I know it went off a guy's leg, but the construction the con- the construction of that power play makes sense to me. You're creating two on ones through movement and you have a lot of talented players on the ice that understand what to do in a two on one. So you got movement, you have players where they need to be. I think that's that's the core of what the Pittsburgh power play should be. Uh, we'll see if it continues. He, he meant that. He knew Jones had come all the way out. He just threw it at a body and hoped that it bounced in. Yeah, maybe there was so, no, but... There was no Penguin player near that. The closest person was Kunitz, and he was 20 feet in front of the crease. 
he just threw it at the net knowing that Jones had overcommitted and he just threw it at a body behind him and just hoped that it bounced in. He won't own up to it now because obviously they lost, but that was, I just got there and went, that was really, really smart. He, he meant that. But it's, that was just, it was so much fun to watch that game in a sense of being a Penguins fan, your team had to puck for like almost the entire game. That's how it felt. And just to watch the, the onslaught over and over and over and over, I, I can understand why the fans that paid a truckload of money for game five tickets would be upset. But it was still, it was still a, a good game to watch. I, I still wish the officials would actually call penalties. And I mean both ways here. There are a couple of times there in the Ooh, third period where... You brought it up, and I'm going to go... I'm running with this one. Yeah, no, 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 I know. But there were a few times in that third period where Pittsburgh were hooking and holding just to get body position on the Sharks. And the refs let it go because they'd let it go in the first period. So I'll give them credit for being consistent. Nah, that they were garbage. Doesn't mean that it was right. And I'm assuming you're going to talk about Pollock. Yeah, what the fuck? That had a much stronger argument for a boarding major than a no call. Like, what are we doing here? I know. I know. The only, the only argument I can make for the official is that... Nope, no argument. <laughs> okay, I'll just move on. But no, I, I, I agree. But what, what's the argument there? I see his back. He's at the goal line. I'm going to shove him. I shoved him really hard when his back was to me the entire time, and he was three feet from the boards. <laughs> they, 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 have, they have four officials and four linesmen for the playoffs, right, for the cup finals. Whoever it was that missed that particular call, I have no idea who the ref was in the corner that decided that that was a legit play, shouldn't call game six. That's the reality of, of that. If they're actually going to get there and award – you know, Stanley Cup games on performance, he shouldn't get that chance purely on that call. And I'll be very interested to see whether that's actually the case. There, were miscalls, would... there were miscalls on the Penguins too. So I, I, I want to, like you said, that that happened too. And I, and actually the penalty that um, the refs called on the Penguins towards the end of the game, I have no problem with that. That was a penalty. Oh, that was, that should have been called earlier. Yeah, that's that. Well, that's the, you know, that's, that's the issue with this league. Uh, the Eric Fair in the neutral zone, no interference. It's like, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah, but the, the problem with that is you can legitimately see that a team is getting absolutely caved in and the officials have gone, I'm not going to give a power play here because I don't want to determine the result of the game, right? And you go, well, that's bullshit because not calling it, means that Penguins' skilled players don't get a chance to score a goal because the other team have made the infraction upon the rules. And, and that's, the, that's, that's the bit that I, I've never understood about that philosophy. And it feels like there are more and more people in the mainstream media that are starting to make a, a bit of noise about it. And it's going to take those people to make that change because – they're the voice of the fans, and if they don't make a noise, then the NHL is not going to move. So it's, it's it's that group of people that need to decide that for the league before anything else changes. Now, now you got me looking up my hockey prospectus piece from a, a little while back. I did a 
lower power play opportunities and the impact it's had on scoring from February of last year. So on the x-axis, I have five-on-four power play opportunities. And then on the Y, I have possession, 5v5 Corsi 4 percentage. What do you think the correlation is between possession and power play opportunities? Percentage. percentage. What what do you think the percentage is, though? The the percentage should be close to 90%, but it's not. It's probably like about 25. (laughs) The R2 is 0.002. You would think that if you've got the puck more often, you would get more penalties. Like the lo- There's just the logic. literally no correlation between the team that has the puck more and the opportunities. Now, I don't always think that the team that has the puck more draws penalties every single game. The fact that there's a .002 correlation, like there's like literally none, is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, I agree. It makes it makes no sense. So here we are. Let them play. Let them board people from behind. Like, what if Dumoulin doesn't get up? Well, then you got. Well, he had, that's the problem. If Dumoulin doesn't get up from that and doesn't come back from the game, then that official was never going to put his arm up anyway. But that, that's that's the bit that I don't understand about that call. It's like, at what point in all of hockey is that classed as a legal hit? Well, it's not. No, but in the Stanley Cup playoffs, where it's let them play, let the players decide, no problems. Look, that, that penalty not being called didn't cost the Penguins the game. What it did do was deny them the chance to win it. And that's probably the thing that annoyed me the most. Yeah, and I, I do want to be clear that I in this game, I don't think penalties decided it. I think Martin Jones did. But at the same time, Pittsburgh's drive and play all game long. And, you know, you miss out on some of those opportunities, especially with the power play, as I mentioned before. I really like the... the the setup they had tonight, I, I think there was some potential for for more goals on that front. But their, aggression, their, their aggressiveness on that power play, I think, is the difference. When they get passive, they get stagnant. And at least when they got stagnant, well, I think it was the second period, they got stagnant on that power play they got in the second period. They, they went, oh, crap, we can't do this. And they started moving again, and then it started to generate again. And, oh, I think that was the most impressive part for me was they went – oh, crap, we're falling back into that passive arrangement. Let's get out of that and move forward. And I, I was very impressed by that. <laughs> so um, looking at some other stats that are just popping up on Twitter. Um, since the, let's see, last 10 Stanley Cup winners, uh, the Penguins have the second highest uh, shot advantage right now. They have a 54.5% advantage on the shots in the series, which means uh, 
only the 08 Detroit team that we referenced uh, was better. Yeah, look, I think it's 12 shots per game. They're, they're out, Chad. I think it's yeah, I think it's 12 shots per game. They're ahead of San Jose for the five games so far. If, you, if you're a Pittsburgh fan and you're worried about momentum shifts and you're worried about having to go back to San Jose for a game that's 75 days away and all those sorts of things, Pittsburgh's process is right. I'm almost you know? to the point where they keep playing this way and say the Sharks steal the next two games. It's like, well, <laughs> what can you do? That's what I mean, that, no, that's exactly right. I mean, that's how every I, Detroit fan... A lot of people don't share that perception that I have, but, you know, what What can you do? Hey, that's what Detroit should have felt like after Game 7 in Detroit, you know, 9. You right? know? They, I, I know. I still think the Pens were so lucky to win that series. They, they, they were. Like, they, they, they really, really were. I mean, I, I would have backed that Penguins team sort of against any other team that year, but Detroit. <laughs> that's that's sort of the, the reality of that situation. And in the way the Sharks are going right now, I would still back Pittsburgh for the next two games. Even if they lose six, would still back them in game seven. And, and, you know, the first chance to win the Stanley Cup, Pittsburgh didn't come out fantastic, but they certainly weren't tight. They, they got the game back to level pegging. Um they dominated the game from that point on, and they just got they just got stonewalled. And, and look, that might happen the next two games, but if Pittsburgh stick to this process for the next the next six periods, I can see them winning the Stanley Cup. Next three. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, That's you do get nice, the, well, you know what? Pittsburgh has been rewarded. They they were up three one in the series, so they could afford to lose a game like this where it's like, wow, we played great. What the hell happened? Well, guess what happened? It happened, and it didn't really cost you anything yet. Yeah, you gotta get on a plane, but you know, I'm sure planes nowadays that they take are fine. <laughs> it's not like not like taking a goddamn train or something. No, but they could afford to have Murray have a stinker. And Can't afford There's another a... one of them, but... No, that, that's true. You need to just be league average or better, like he has been for most of the playoffs. And if they get another performance out of Murray like you normally get after a loss, then uh, and, I, and you rely on the fact that Pittsburgh will play... The same, the, the same sort of game they've played all the other games, you still think they're going to have more of the puck and, and have more of the shots. And you have a look at the close calls they had. Kunitz ripped one off the crossbar. Great shot, too. Kessel ripped one off two posts. Off a one-timer, of all things. Um, you know, Malkin had a, a, an empty, a, an open net that he couldn't scramble the puck from. Kessel had an open net that Dana Zubis actually did a really good job of checking his stick before he could actually get to the shot. You, you, you do get Kessel there with those... the double post. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, you hit two posts on the one shot, off a one-timer on the power play. You, you get there with that, and it's like, holy smokes, that game was so close to lifting the lid off Console Energy Center and the Penguins just steamrolling over Martin Jones that... He, 
it, it's and it, I suppose a few San Jose Sharks fans would probably feel the same way with some of the posts they had in earlier in the series that Pittsburgh have dominated the play. That's sort of the reality of it. Although I do want to, um, on the topic of Kessel, I thought he was fantastic. All of the three guns for Pittsburgh, the three big-name players, were awesome. And Latang was great as well. Well, you know, we probably don't discuss Latang enough, but he's always, without him, they're sunk. True. Because I, I yeah. watch Lovejoy and Cole in, in a situation like when the Penguins are down like tonight and they're chasing that goal for two periods and those guys get the puck in the neutral zone and it's like, is anything going to happen from this? No. You know where it's headed. You know what's happening. It's going into the corner or it's going into the opposite corner and people have to chase the puck down. I know what you mean. Yeah. And I'll um, I'll extend that to another player, and I'll I'll take my beating from anybody who wants to listen to this and probably will hate what I have to say. I think Hornquist is a drag on Sid. I, I, I back to the stuff we talked about mid-season. That guy hates controlled plays. I don't, I don't understand why when he has the puck and he has control, he feels like it's a good idea to dump it to a corner. I, I just, I, I don't understand it. it. And this is, this is where the, the um, decline of Chris Kunitz has, has hurt Sid in the sense that I know that they're opposite wingers, but this is where Kunitz's ability to be able to bring the puck into the zone, hold the puck, control the puck, and then put it to somewhere where anyone, usually Sid obviously, could go and could go and get the puck with some speed all the time and space. And, and, and Hornquist just hasn't learned how to do that. And he may not ever learn how to do that. So, it, it, And it's the problem Sid's got with Shiri is that as much as he's fast, his brain can't think at the speed he needs to, to play with Sid. And so it, it's one of those things that they will have to address in the in the off season for, for next year's team will be Sherry and Sherry and Rust can't be in the top six. So they have to fill those holes. That's the reality there. And Hornquist, you're right, is is a drag. He does a lot of really, really good things, but controlling the play when you're with the best center in the world is not one of them. He does really good things on the on the trail end. You gotta get to that point to where he does those things. I need somebody with Sid that helps him generate the thing that gets to a Hornquist type player. So that's does, not does that make fault. any sense at all? Makes, no, no, it makes brilliant sense. It, the fact of the matter is that Connor Shear is not Chris Kunitz. That that's where that falls down. I'm I'm fine with him to a, to an extent. Like he's he's, he's looking to make the play. He's not executing, and I get it. Yeah. But again, I'm a process guy. I look at some of the, the just the <laughs> tempo free hockey on Twitter has so many good stats. He's he's keeping track of the micro stats of the Stanley Cup final, and 
Hornquist is one of the Penguins' top players in the sense of dump-ins. And I don't want... Like, that goes against what this team is right now. Yeah, I agree. And I would look to move on from him. So, yeah. The only, the only the only thing I would say against moving on from him would be if you got if you got the other winger on Sid's wing who is a Chris Kunitz replica in regards to the ability to hold the tuck hold the puck, maintain possession and get pucks into empty zones that Sid can skate onto, then you end up with all that chaos that you're after that, that Hornquist can clean up. I, I, I get what you mean, but it, it is one of those things where Sid has deferred to Hornquist a little more in regards to his bailout pass. And then all Hornquist does is just dump it into the corner, either corner, either the one that he's in or the one he's heading towards, or he gives it the cross ice dump. There's a time and a place for a dump in, and I get it, but... but It's too often the play that he falls on. It's not the bailout play for Hawkwist. It's the play that he runs with. And I get your argument for that, that he's dragging Sid. But it shows you how good Sid's been, the fact that his line has had so many, has had the possession for, for so long. And You can and, read and his body language on some of these plays. Yeah. And it's why those, it's funny. I watched the, I watched the Canadian coverage rather than listening to Touche Turtle yabber away about people's freaking high school past Oh, and, he he loved the uh, Pollock hit. Oh, really? Oh, great chip and chase. And there is and there is exactly my problem with the mainstream media. If anything is going to change, having them say that's a great play is not going to help that. Why would the officials change if you've got the people that are calling the game saying that's a great play? They, they, what, it's just uh, anyway. You, you get there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I've now lost my train of thought. What were we talking about before I decided to, to spew out on, on Pierre? Dumpins? Dumpins. Oh, I've lost my train Hornquist? of thought. Yeah. No, I've lost it. I have literally, it's literally popped out of Martin my Martin Jones? <laughs> oh, Martin Jones. How good was Martin Jones? <laughs> and fundamentally, that's what this all comes back to. Like you said, six minutes in. We could just wrap this thing up and move on because now nah, we've had more fun doing it this way. We have, no, no, we have. Like I, I needed to get this out. Like I had so much fun watching this game, and yes, it's disappointing they lost Game Five, um, and yes, it's disappointing for all of the thousands and thousands of fans that lined the streets in Pittsburgh Super to watch impressive. this. Game. It was unreal. Like that was just awesome. But I hope that. No, actually, I know that Mike Sullivan will not bother to change. He'll go, whatever he says. He already says it. What, they don't have to change anything? He never considered taking him out. Why would you even? It was hilarious. I'm on Twitter and I'm looking through this, and Linda Cohn gets there and goes, well, this now makes an interesting discussion about bringing Fleury in for game six. Then about 15 minutes later, she goes, well, it would be ridiculous for them to put freaking Fleury in for game six. And I'm like, talk about a backtrack. It's like, if you're going to make something that is ridiculously stupid as that, don't backtrack from it and say that they shouldn't do it because he's great on his after a loss. Everybody that follows Pittsburgh knows that he's been great after a loss. 
There's no, there is absolutely no point in putting Murray in for game six, just like there would be no point. Oh, sorry. There's no point in putting Fleury in in game six, just like there's no point putting Fleury in in game seven if Murray has another game like game five. That's the reality of it. Yeah. There's, there's, you can't go to Fleury. That ship is. You are. You're asking too much of a guy that's played a game and a period in how many weeks? Feels like, feels like, wait a second. All right, so I have an infant daughter. She's younger than the uh, last time Fleury played uh, as a starter. Well, I shouldn't say that. I guess Fleury did have that one start. No, but the point you make is, is is valid. He was before he got concussed that last time. He was the starter for the game one of the playoffs. Simple as that. Then it got ugly, and you throw him into that game. What was it? Game five against Tampa, and he was only ever set up to fail. He wins that game, great. But it was never a situation where a goalie who's not faced any game time shots of significance was ever going to have a chance to to succeed. And it, it was it was really funny. Like on on Twitter, um, one of your guys that used to write at, at hockey at hockey buzz, um, Richard Clatcher said, "Oh, how funny would it be if they whacked Fleury in and he won the game?" You know what I mean? And it's like it's too much of a fairy tale for that sort of thing to happen. It just you just can't do it. You run with the percentages in this situation, and Murray's percentages just totally outweigh any feeling in the heart process for swapping goalies. I kind of feel bad because <laughs> we haven't done much with the Sharks <laughs> in this podcast, but like, you, said it you know, as Mom always said, if there's nothing nice to say. You got, they got dominated. You were right. They got absolutely dominated. That puck was just, the ice was tilted one way and that's just the way it was. Like, who knows? In game six, it might be completely different. But for that particular game, Pittsburgh got Martin Jones. Simple as that. Yeah, Murray probably should have stopped two of the three that went in. And you can make that argument that, well, certainly on, on the first goal, that was just sort of like a carbon copy of the overtime goal. And, and that's the thing that, like I said earlier on, is not going to change between now and the start of it, hopefully they'll work it out between the start of the next season, but it's not going to change between now and the end of the season. So it, it's one of those things where what do you do if you're Pittsburgh? You just do the same thing you did tonight. Simple as that. And if you're the coach, I think you manipulate TV timeouts in the end of the period and get Sid and Gino and Kunitz and HBK and double them at the end of a period or off of a TV timeout. And off the TV timeout mid-period, you can come back with the Crosby line or the or the Malkin line. You, you, you would be double-shifting one of the two, but you wouldn't be double-shifting the wingers per se. So let's say you go off of a um, – you got an icing. You put Sid, Gino, Kunitz out there, right? Yeah. Then you follow up that long uh, normal shift with HBK. Well, then yep. you can come back with Sid, Sheary, and Hornquist. Sheary and Hornquist being fresh, Sid can handle it. 
and then you come back with the Malkin line. So it's like you don't have to give the the fourth line as many minutes as Sullivan does. And and the thing that's good with what you've just explained there is that the way if you if you, if you put that into the process of what happened in, in game five, that's probably close to four minutes of hockey in the offensive zone from those from those three rotations. Because Pittsburgh have done a really good job with their pinching defensemen of pinching aggressively and keeping the puck trapped. And and that's been San Jose's biggest problem is actually exiting the zone. Now Pittsburgh trapping the puck on the boards is great, but it does, and you've said this many times on the podcast, it does leave the middle of the zone open if you're ballsy enough to make that exit pass out there. And San Jose have proven they're not. Or they don't have the time to have their head up to make the play because Pittsburgh's speed is stopping them from doing that. It could be a combination of both. But that would allow you, you know, four minutes stuck in the zone. Yeah, Pittsburgh initiated their defense on the boards tonight, much like the Sharks have. It's not some kind of mysterious strategy. Every team that's down pinches their D, and it's like, well, we're going to lose anyways. And, you know, they kept the pressure on, and Jones made the saves. I, I will be very interested to see the narrative over the next two days in regards to Brent Burns playing angry because Glenn Healy had a little bit of a package on what Brent Burns did. He had the goal um, and he had a clean hit and then it was the the next three things they showed. It was like penalty, 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 none of which were called, of course. Yeah, I thought thought that, um, that there was a lot to be had there. You know, you sit there with that and it's like if – and I remember someone tweeting back saying, you know, you're on the money. It's like, well, look, if the refs aren't going to call it, keep doing it. Like it would be nuts for San Jose to back off from that that philosophy. If the officials are going to sit there and let you cross-check a guy and throw a guy into the net willy-nilly, why would you not do it? Like you'd be crazy to avoid doing that until they call you for a penalty – on those types of infractions, keep doing it. Like, it, it would be nuts. You, you play to the whistle. You play to the rules that you're given. And, and Pittsburgh have done a very, very good job of not getting caught up in garbage after the whistle, not getting frustrated to the point where they hack and slash and then get the retaliatory penalty. They've done a very good job of doing that. But at some point, I want to get there and say the officials have to start calling this I know they won't. You know what the biggest piece of shit of this series is now? Mm-hmm. Game six is at the same time as Game of Thrones on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I actually have... Not, no very that. <laughs> Not very happy about that. Not very happy about that. I can actually watch Game six at home because I've got Monday off work. And then after Game six is done, I then... Download Game of Thrones. My wife comes home from work, and we can watch Game of Thrones. So it works out for me in this. Oh, I'll be watching it after the game. But me and um, Mish, <laughs> we we have this. Uh, we've been trying to concoct a little bit of a 
muted terms on Twitter that we can put in <laughs> during the games. So we're going to have to concoct that list again. We we had to do that a few weeks. We had to concoct that list a few weeks back and um yeah. Those are tough spoilers to work around. I just I would just won't be on Twitter. That's that's just all I, I'm going to have to be able to try and do really. I can't help it. It's like crack cocaine. Yeah, I know. I know. Look, normally I can't stay away from the game, but at least on Monday I get to watch it. Okay. I was to go into work and do overtime, but they lost, so I'll give up the overtime and um, and watch the game instead. Do we have any other unique takes on this game? Uh, no, nothing ha- unique. Ha- have have we had any unique takes on this game? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's a very, very good point. No, but yeah, I, I needed to get this out. So that I'm very thankful that you were available to be able to do this podcast. I wasn't going to bed. So... <sighs> I'm actually, after this, I'm literally going to put the game back on and watch it again. I enjoyed it that much. I will watch it again. Well, I uh, I will not be doing the same. Unless I get no, a well, few should... plays that I want to pull from it and maybe do something with. But I, I as of this moment, I, I, I don't foresee that. Unless your youngest wakes you up and doesn't go back to bed, I can't see you putting it back on. <laughs> Another 45 minutes if this podcast went on. You'd hear it. Well, maybe we should let you go so you can get 30 minutes of rest before. Yeah, oh, before. wow. Thank you so much. A lot, a lot of REM <laughs> sleep on that. Woohoo! So, all right. Um, well, I guess that's that. The only thing I have to add is, you know, Support us, patreon.com slash hockeyhurts for as little as a dollar a month. Please do. <laughs> so. Well, there's something actually really sad about it. It's like if everyone if everyone commits to this, it means we can do more of them. And it, it just means that it, it, it doesn't bleed out of our pocket. And that's probably the, the big thing. If enough of you do it, and we can make this a living, then we'll be doing it a lot. We could do it every day. Yeah, something like that. I'd love to do that. <laughs> It'd be so much fun just to be able to watch and talk hockey all the time. And all the donations just got pulled. Every day? We don't want to hear you every day. Yeah, I actually hadn't thought of the negative connotation of that year. It's a very good point. So, well, that's what we thought about Game 5. I hope you thought it was fair. Uh, if you're a San Jose fan, apologies. I just didn't think that outside of the first five minutes there was much to talk about on that front. Yeah. Look, you make a good point. San Jose fans would be sitting there going, how biased is this thing? But it just, it just didn't feel like there was really much push from San Jose except for that five-minute bit at the start and the goal they got later in the in the first. After that, it just felt all one way. Thought we gave your goaltender a lot of credit, though. Oh, he deserves it, too. He was unreal. So, 
Um, we'll see you two weeks from now when they finally play another game in this series. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Sunday night, uh, U.S. will have another game, and hopefully we'll have another podcast shortly after that. So, until then, we'll see you.